Now today's message is entitled, What You Got? Very spiritual title. Let's find out what it's about. Matthew, the 15th chapter, verse 29. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. And then uh, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. And great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet. And he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the cripple made well, the lame walking, the blind, blind seeing, seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Now, this is pretty cool. you got to admit this is cool. Would this not have been cool to see this? I, how many of you would love to have been there? I'm going to watch this like, wow, this is cool. And they were having a great time, and they're praising God, and, and things are excited. Now, what's happening here is they're getting caught up in the moment. And the, this multitude of people come and they're seeing all these miracles and stuff and they're just hanging out there. Just, and they had been there for three days. We'll find out in just a second. They've been there for three days. And they didn't leave. Now they were creating a problem. They were creating a, a kind of a disaster scenario. It's not like they all ran across the street at the 7-Eleven and, and got, you know, a hot dog and, 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 a, and a Coke. There's no food out there. These people were so caught up in watching what they were saying. And you can imagine how stirring it would have been to experience that and to listen to the words of Jesus. Wow, you know, most of us, you know, we can't go for more than five minutes without eating. But, you know, even us, I think, we would have sat there and go, wow. And pretty soon you forget about it. Well, three days are into this. They've now created a little mini disaster. You have thousands of people who've been out here. They've had nothing to eat. Now you need to send them home. They're at, at, a, at a critical point. Of sending them home. Yeah, people are going to start passing out. It wasn't like they hopped in their cars. They walked in, in the heat of the Middle East. This was a big deal. As wonderful as it was. It was actually creating a problem. Which is boy if that isn't the world of church. You know you're going to be meeting people's needs. And this great thing. And God's doing this. And the whole time you're doing it. You are creating another problem. That you're not seeing until you go. Ah there's a problem. Okay. So, first of all, when you see that happen, just relax. That's normal. There's always going to be problems popping up. That's life. But they have this problem. And Jesus calls the disciples over in verse 32. He says, listen, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. He's in essence asking them, what are we going to do? One other account in one of the Gospels records Jesus saying, you need to feed them. And they're like... What? We, we can't feed them. He's, uh, his disciples said, where could we get enough bread in this crowd? Uh, or, or get enough bread for this remote place to feed such a crowd? And Jesus asks them this basic question. Well, what you got? What do you have, boys? How many loaves do you have? And it's interesting, right away they said Seven. And some small fish. They knew right away. Now it's interesting. When you are in a place of abundance in your life. You know not that many of us are extraordinarily wealthy. If you are I'd like to talk to you later. But anyway. um, (laughs) A little help here. But anyway. uh, But even in our normal life. You get to the point where you know things are going well. And things like that. And if someone were to say. Your spouse were to say. You know how much do we have. Uh, Your initial response might be. You know I'm not sure. Let me check. Let me check. But what's interesting is when you are in a time of crisis, 
you can answer very quickly what you have because you know when pressure comes on man everybody knows what I got everybody knows what I got you know I only got X amount of dollars in the bank X amount of dollars in the checking account and these guys you know they've done their inventory the pressure's on you know food is scarce they'd been out there for three days too they knew the routine and Jesus said we need to feed these guys he said well I don't know how we're going to do that Jesus well what do you got seven loaves of fish loaves of bread seven loaves of fish seven loaves of bread and some small fish well then he tells the crowd to sit down on the ground and then he took the seven loaves and the fish and when he'd given thanks he broke them and he gave them to the disciples and they in turn did it to the people and what a cool thing that had to be they were breaking something they gave some to him and to him and to him and oh there's a little bit more yet and to him and to him and, oh there's still a little bit more I don't know at what point it dawned on them that this was cool <laughs> but at some point this had to be a lot of fun man like you just keep breaking it still more and just when you think you're done oh there's a little piece left in there you keep breaking it up and they fed all these people it says they all ate and were satisfied and afterwards the disciples picked up seven basketfuls they started out with seven loaves and it was seven basketfuls and the number of those who ate it says in verse 34 was 4,000 referring to men it was don't have a cow Middle Eastern culture at that time men were counted Women and children were counted with the sheep and the goats. And uh, so that's just the way it was. It was part of the culture. So 4,000 men besides the women and children. Well, you add the women and children. There's thousands upon thousands of people here. 10,000 mouths to feed. This was a significant miracle. It's interesting how often when we have a crisis, God starts with the question, because we come to God. God, we got a crisis. What do we do? And God says, oh, what, what do you got? What do you mean, what do I got? What do you got? Let's start there. We see it again in Matthew, the 17th chapter. After Jesus and his disciples had arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax came along. Let's hear it for the tax collectors. Whee! Yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> if you work for the IRS, we still love you. We don't like you, but we love you. We love you. <laughs> and they came to the tax collector comes to Peter and says hey doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax Peter says yes he does because he's thinking holy cow we have no money he has no money he knows Jesus has no money where Judas and the other cats are I don't know but this is just Peter and him right here in this situation and Peter walks in the house thinking oh man oh man and it says Jesus was the first to speak he says hey what do you think Simon from whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? See, Jesus knew what was going on. Do they collect taxes from their own sons or from others? Peter says, well, from others. And Jesus said, well, then the sons are exempt. He's pointing out the fact that as the son, he is exempt from the temple tax. He's, what he's basically saying, I shouldn't have to pay this at all. But the next phrase, very interesting, verse 27, he says, but so that we may not offend them. Now, make no mistake, understand me, Jesus was not a wuss. He was not afraid of offending people. I say that because so many churches today are dominated by wusses who are afraid of offending anybody about anything, so they never mention anything. And heaven forbid we confront people and they're thinking we might offend somebody. Jesus did not have this problem. Jesus frequently offended people. And I think he rather enjoyed it. And uh, 
You know, the disciples would come off freaked out. You offended them. Do you know we offended them? Jesus, I'll get over it. But interestingly here, he says, well, so that we don't offend them, which is a great lesson. What he's saying here is choose your battles. Choose your battles. And all the married people said, amen. amen. Choose your battles. <laughs> Couples, we fight over the stupidest things on earth. Me and the redhead, we fight over the stupidest things. Have you had the thermostat conversation yet? <laughs> two degrees. You're fighting over two degrees. It's like, check your medication, okay? Chill out. Choose your battles. So Jesus says, well, let's not offend them. What do we got? He knew Peter had no money. Jesus knew he had no money on him. So he looks at the one thing Peter has. Peter has a skill. Do you remember what it is? Fishing. He's a fisherman. So he says to Peter, he says, go to the lake. Throw out your line. Really? This is your answer? We have a problem here. Crisis. You want me to go fishing. Why? That's all you got. Start with what you got. Peter goes down. You know how frustrating this is. I've got to tell you, if I'm God, I would just kind of zap stuff. Just because I like to show off. You know, you need a new car? Cadillac, baby. You know what I'm saying? Ferrari, cool stuff. I just pop it all over the place. God does not think in these terms. God loves to take what you have and put a miracle in what you have. It's not what we want to hear, though, do we? What we want is God fix the problem. Here's the problem, God. Fix the problem. Here's the need. Fix the need. And we just want to sit back and wait for him to do it. But if we'd listen, we'd be hearing God saying, okay, what do you got? What do you have that I can work with? Not what we want to hear. Anyway, he tells him, go go fishing. He says, then take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. And then pay the taxes with that. Again, the time it takes to get the fishing junk, to walk down the water, get everything set up. I'm going to be looking for a fish that has a... Seriously, if you can do this, can't you just go, woo, and there's a coin in the first place. (laughs) But I got to go through this deal to go fishing. Yes. And he went fishing, and he gets a bite. He pulls it out hoping no one is looking at him as he's looking in the mouth to see what's in there. And sure enough, there's a coin. And he pays the tax. What? What do you have? We see this in Exodus, the 17th chapter. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. Keep this in mind, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. The Lord told them, go here. Okay, now go there. Okay, they packed up. And they said, okay, go here. Oh, break down camp. Walk to the next place, set up. Okay, now go here. Weren't we just here? Hello. In fact, is if you read it, they did this for 40 years. 40 years wandering in the desert. Mainly because they were stiff-hearted pains in the tukish. They, would, they kept giving God a hard time. They would, and, God, and God just kept having them wander around. There's a lesson there. God will wait you out. Don't be so stubborn. You think you're going to wait out God? Ha, ha, ha. 
He'll wait till you die. That's exactly what he did. He waited till they all died and then their kids went in. That's what happened. The kids and grandpa God. There's a lesson here. The reason why grandparents and grandkids get along so well is we have a common enemy. (laughs) It's a joke. Relax. Okay. So God... (laughs) We hate him too. Yes, don't cry. No, no, no. Uh, (laughs) Just teasing. Just teasing. It's true. I know. But teasing. Nonetheless. <laughs> so God waited on until the so but anyway God's they're just going where God told them to go. Now you gotta understand this has got to be really frustrating for these people. They had been slaves for four hundred years, miserably treated by the Egyptians in so many ways. Crying out to God, send us to deliver. God hears their prayer, sends them Moses. Moses shows up, says, Let my people go. Pharaoh said, I ain't letting them go. I don't want to let them go. I like them. Let my people go. And, 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 and God started saying one plague after another. This is cool. This is, this is Cecil B. DeMille stuff. You know, this is, they make movies. I'd love to have seen this. You talk about kicking butt and taking names. I mean, God just kicked their butt after one thing after. Finally, they finally said, okay, go. You're killing us. And they come and they come to the big water. And Moses goes, and the water splits and they go across. You have got to think life is going to be good from here on out, right? I mean, and on the way out of town, they took all the money. They did. They pillaged the whole joint. It's very cool. They came out with tons of gold and everything. That's all right. You know, they got together and they got bored out there and they made a cow out of gold. Idiots. But I mean, they had how much gold they had. I mean, they had all this money. Everything was good. Life is good. Man, we're going to sit on Easy Street. Now they're out there going, eh, 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 eh. Took them 40 years, but should have taken them 10 days. It's a 10 day journey. They go from Egypt to the promised land. 40 years. Because we don't have time to get into it because they were so stubborn and they wouldn't really trust God. But anyway, so they're, they're just doing what God has said. And they camped at Ref, Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses is saying, what are you yelling at me for? I'm just going where he says to go. And so why do you te- put the Lord to the test? Haven't you learned by now? Quit ticking off God. They never learned. People were thirsty for water. And they grumbled against Moses. And they said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Now, they weren't exaggerating. They tended to exaggerate quite a bit. But this is a legit deal here. They're out there. You can imagine, in the desert, no water. At some point, everybody gets really thirsty. And while you can go for a while, many days, actually weeks, without eating food, Uh, You can't go very long without water. And this was a crisis. And Moses cried out to the Lord. He says, what what am I going to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And they were. They were going to stone him to death. They were ticked off. And the Lord answered Moses. They got a crisis. It's a legitimate crisis. He says, well, walk on ahead of these people. Take some of the elders with you. And take the staff in your hand. Which you struck the Nile and go and... And I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Okay, so take your rock and go, take your stick and go stand by a rock. Seriously? This is your answer? A stick and a rock? I got sticks. We have rocks. In fact, they're going to be throwing those rocks at me. If we don't get some water, what do you mean? Take a stick and go stand by a rock. 
Now this has got to be frustrating. He gets out there. He's got a stick. He's standing by the rock. What kind of plan is this? But what is God doing? He's saying, take what you have. What do you have? The only thing they had out in the middle of another sticks and rocks. Not very encouraging. Not giving a lot of confidence, I got to tell you. But he says, strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. And Moses did it. Sure enough, he takes the stick. He hits the rock. This has got to feel incomprehensibly stupid. If you need water, you don't just go hitting rocks to see if water squirts out. But he takes the rock the stick, he hits the rock and water gushes out of somewhere and all this water and these people have something to drink. Wow. Here's another one. First Kings, the 17th chapter. Now this is a story of, uh, of, of Elisha the prophet. Now this lady, during this time, there's, been no, there's no rain falling on the land because Elijah prophesied there would be no rain for three years. And... Uh, you know, people, the famine is kicking in. People are literally starving to death. It is a horrible, horrible time. Big judgment, again, because of all their sins. And uh, Elijah runs into this lady. And, and she, she says this. She says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I got a jar and a jug. That's all I got. And not much of a jar or a jug. Because all I'm going to do is I'm getting a few sticks together and I'm going to come home and I'm going to make a meal for my son and for myself so, and then we're going to eat it and we're going to die. Not, not exactly the most positive outlook on life. What are you doing? Getting ready to die. We're going to have our last meal. We're going to die. Basically what's happening is Elijah was challenging her and she said, well, you know, what do you got? I said, well, I got a jar and a jug, and, and we're going to die. And Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Easy for him to say. Don't be afraid, but go home and do exactly what you said. But first, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have, and bring it to me, and then make something for you, yourself, and your son. Now, if I'm with Elijah, I'm mortified. I'm mortified. Dude. Dude. They're starving to death. They're taking the very last that they have and you want them, their answer is make me a sandwich? This is insane. This borders insanity. It really does. Because faith seems at times absolutely crazy. It makes no sense. Here this lady is in great need. To say the least. I mean the other, you know, the fish, I mean people might pass out going home but they eventually make it. You know, the tax, I'm sure they could work something out. But, you know, now we're talking life and death here. Serious need. And your answer is, out of the little bit you have, give me something. And watch what God does. And he prophesies to her. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. And she went away and did as Elijah told her. As a result, there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not dry up in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now, this is pretty cool. This lady, in a great step of faith, takes what little she has 
and honors God with it by letting the prophet have the first little part of it. It's amazing. As you read through the Bible, over and over and over again, you'll see this. People coming to God in great need. And God's first question is, well, what do you got? What do you have that I can use? Because God loves to speak into your need and make a miracle out of your need. So that you have more than enough. Again, it's not what we want to hear. If I'm really short on cash, I don't want to hear what you got. I want to hear, can you cash this? You know, here's some cash, here's something, you know, I'll help you out. But instead, God says, what do you have? Give me what you have. I've only got seven loaves. Give me what, what you got. I just got a stick. And I, just give, give, me, give, me what, give me what you got. I don't have anything. I got some skill. Well, let's, let's go fishing. Let's, let's use that. God loves to take what you have. And this woman took the jar and the jug and made her little thing and what she thought would be empty and she looked, oh wow, so I got a little bit, oh, I guess we live till tomorrow. And tomorrow she made a little bit more and when she got done, she, oh look, there's still some more in there. And every day she could make more. Now I got to tell you, even that would mess with you. See, me, I want to be taken care of for the next few years. I want to open the pantry and see loaves of Wonder Bread. Lots of bread already there. I want to see jugs of oil. Oh, I want to see it all. That didn't happen. All she had through the whole time was still just a jar and a jug. But it never got empty. And she fed her family through this very difficult time. Now, all of this to point you to what we're talking about during the month of October. This is our time every year when we talk about our annual campaign where we ask for uh, funding to continue to do what we do. Now, this is not a major capital campaign. We're not raising millions of dollars to build a building or to pay off lots of debt. This is just uh, our annual thing where we ask people to do something extra to help the church continue to do the ministries that we do. And last year we all got together, remember, at the KI Center. We're doing that again this year, November 7th, six weeks from today. We're all getting to there for a great big old party as all our campuses get together and we'll celebrate and stuff. And we ask people, we challenge people, come with a special gift, a hundred, maybe three hundred, maybe five hundred dollars, based on your ability and give that extra gift into the kingdom of God. Because if we all do something, it makes all the difference in the world for us. Now, I know it's still a difficult time. Uh, but first of all, Wisconsin's been very blessed. And this church has been very blessed. Just across the pond here, over in Michigan, they've got a 13% unemployment rate. Wisconsin's somewhere around 8. We're much better than the rest of the nation. Most churches in America took as high as a 40% income drop over the last year and a half, two years. My brother Eddie's church did this. He was telling us, there's 40% gone massive adjustments to their budgets and what the church could do. We went through this back in December, but ours was like a 20, what was it, 23%? Yes, we're very blessed. And God, praise God for that, that you've been blessed and you're faithful to the church, you're not full of fear. So we, we, we've been very, very blessed 
here in Green Bay. But even still, it's a difficult time. I get it. I understand that. But no one's asking you to bleed to death. No one's asking you to put your family at risk. Uh, and, you know, and just relax. I mean, I remember just last year doing this. People come up to me in tears. I don't know if I can go with 100. It's not like I'm going to show up at your doorstep with a billy club asking you for 100 bucks. You know, Lathan might, but I won't do it, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, this is not torture, people. This is saying to you, don't panic. Don't freak. What am I going to do? What you got? What do you have? Let God use what you have so you can do whatever you faith you think can you do so you can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Look at you. Don't look for something. Don't freak out because you're so the, the need is so big and you have so little. God is looking at your little and say, what can you do out of your little? Because if you'll give me out of your little, I will bless your life. Say, I don't believe that. That's why your life stinks. All right. But those who believe it experience the very things that I'm talking about. Don't get mad, by the way, when you need miracles. Everybody wants miracles. How many love? Everybody loves miracles, right? We all want. But stop and think. The only people who get miracles are the people who need miracles. Everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants to need a miracle. So when we need a miracle, instead of expecting a miracle, we get mad because we need the miracle. Come on, you sinners. You know you do. Here, man. Ah, things are going wrong and things are horrible right now. Ah, we freak out and cry at God. Just chill out. You should smile. James says, count it all joy when you go through all kinds of ickiness. Celebrate. Have a party. Invite people over. We're having a party. Really, what are we celebrating? My life stinks. Come on over. It's great. <laughs> really? Yes. We're having my life stinks party. Some of y'all ought to be having a my life stinks party right now. You should call your friends. Get them over and just celebrate. Why? I said, because I need a miracle. Well, why are you happy about that? Because that's when God does miracles. God does miracles when you need miracles. Don't, don't just freak out about where you're at in life. What do you have? Trust God. And we're going to encourage you over the next six weeks to look at your life. What do you have that you can trust God? Some of you say, well, I don't know how I could do it. Maybe I'll ask for extra overtime. Maybe God would bless that. Uh, some of you have an extra asset sitting around the house. And I'm not talking about your husband. I'm talking about an asset. You know. <laughs> what can I say? Anyway. Um, you know, something that you don't need. You put it on eBay. Oh, man, we can get, a, we get $300 and we just got rid of it. You know. Who knows? Take a look at your life. What do you have? What can God bless in your life? I'm just a waitress. I can trust God for bigger tips. Seriously. Don't just freak out at your life and say, there's nothing but rocks and sticks out here. Take the rock, the stick. Hit the rock. I don't take the rock, hit the stick. I don't care what you do. Just... <laughs> Do something. Don't freak out. Trust God. Even with the simplest of skills. Even some of you young adults. Which would put you in the teenage category. I hate the word teenager. It makes you sound like you're teeny boppers. You're young adults for heaven's sakes. And last year a lot of young adults got involved. And saw God do miracles. They were able to give into this thing. It was great fun. You know, uh, extra babysitting jobs. Or raking some extra yards. or something. Looking into whatever little world that you have. And say God... I got this, I got a stick, I got some loaves, I got, I got a little skill, I've got a jar and a jug, and bring that to God and say, God bless this so that I can do something special this fall, something special to advance your 
kingdom. Don't get mad at the need. Look at your life and say, God, use what I have and watch God do miracles in your life. I'm going to invite the ushers to come uh, at our campuses as we get ready to serve communion and our musicians can get ready to come back up on the platform. Time of opportunity. Elijah said, don't be afraid. It's hard not to be afraid because our first response often to challenge is to fear. Oh, how can I do that? Oh, how can I? Don't be afraid. And remember, fear doesn't increase faith. What happened to the lights? I felt like we just quit paying the bill here. Did you see that? My eyes, I'm getting old or something. My eyes are going out. (laughs) I'm sorry. I have the intention span of a fly. It takes very little to distract me. Don't don't just panic and freak out when things all of a sudden... uh, are, 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 you're confronted with any kind of a challenge. You know, fear doesn't create faith. It's not helpful to be afraid. Because fear just makes you cry. <laughs> oh God, what am I going to do? What am I gonna... And then people say, did you pray? Yes. That, well, no, that's not prayer. You crying and freaking out going, <laughs> it's not prayer. Somebody say amen. amen. That's not prayer. That's freaking out. If that's prayer, everybody prays. Even the sinners pray. People don't know God pray. (laughs) That's not prayer. Now I get it. You go through that initially. We all freak when we're first challenged. When challenges have come into my life. Financial challenges. The first things you want to freak out. When the doctor told me my wife had cancer. Your first response is to freak out. But I know better. You've got to calm that down. That's not prayer. Crying and freaking is not prayer. It's when you calm down and say, God, this is what I got. We need a miracle. Do a miracle. Get to a place of faith. Watch what God will do. That's when the miracles come. We're getting ready to take communion. This is the greatest miracle of all. The fact that we can know God and have forgiveness of our sins. Where are you at today? Do you really know God in your life? You say, well, I, I, not really. I, I'd like to. How do I do it? I don't have much. Well, God's saying, well, what you got? You got a heart you can open. You got a mouth that can say a prayer. We're going to say a prayer together in just a minute. I'm going to invite you, if you'll open your heart and pray this prayer along with us, you can start to experience God in your life. You say, well, I can't do that on my own. You're right, you can't. It's not about you. It's about you doing what you can do and letting God do the rest. You come to him in faith. He will come into your life. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll give you a new start. That's what we celebrate every time we take communion. Let's all bow our heads in a word of prayer. I'm going to invite everybody to pray this prayer along with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. and That you love me so much. You went to the cross. And you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life. And to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender myself to you. Amen.